0: You're listening to a podcast from GUT. So, Welcome to the GUT Podcast. I'm Mary McLean, Senior Lecturer and Consultant in Gastroenterology at the University of Aberdeen, Scotland, UK, and current visiting research fellow at the Frederick National Laboratory for Cancer Research in the USA. In my capacity as Education Editor, I'm hosting this podcast today. This month, we are discussing the current editor's choice manuscript entitled Mucosal Healing in Inflammatory Bowel Diseases A Systematic Review. This is presented by Professor Marcus Neurath, Professor of Medicine at the University of Erlangen, Nuremberg, Germany, and Dr. Simon Travis, Consultant Gastroenterologist at the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford, UK. I'm delighted to welcome both the authors here today. So, first of all, we have Professor Marcus Neurath. Welcome. Hello. And Dr. Simon Travis.
1: Hello Mary from a rather rainy Oxford.
0: (laughs) So this review discusses mucosal healing and inflammatory bowel disease. Can you begin by defining this term for us? Can I direct that question to you Professor Neurath, please?
2: Well in the context of inflammatory bowel diseases the term mucosal healing usually refers to endoscopic assessment of disease activity ideally Causal healing would mean a reduction or abrogation of all visible inflammatory lesions and inflammatory bowel diseases. However, in real life, this refers to absence of ulcers in Crohn's disease and is usually measured by endoscopic scoring systems.
0: So can you tell us about the methodology employed for this systematic review?
2: Yes, we basically uh, started the systematic uh, review by focusing on the so-called uh, PRISMA guidelines that are um, related to the generation of systematic uh, reviews. We conducted a literature research using MEDLINE and the Science Citation Index in a duplicate. This analysis was performed between March 2012 and May 2012, And we then looked through all these uh, publications and hand-searched any additional uh, references. And overall, we considered 251 articles to construct this uh, review on mucosal healing in inflammatory bowel diseases.
0: At a molecular level, mucosal healing is a complex process with many facets. So there's epithelial barrier integrity, which is maintained by tight regulated cell proliferation, migration of the cells to the crypt mouth, and apoptosis with cell shedding as well as the factor of intestinal permeability, which controls the movement of luminal antigens across the epithelial barrier. And this too is complex, involving tight junctions and apical junctions. Can you give us an overview of some of the mechanisms controlling these processes in normal intestinal homeostasis?
2: Several molecular signaling pathways are known to control mucosal healing. Among these signaling pathways are pathways in pennant cells, intestinal epithelial cells and goblet cells. We know that these cells produce various mediators that support barrier function and control the interaction between the microflora and the intestinal epithelium, such as defensins. We also know that mucosal healing is tightly controlled by signaling events in these cells For instance, several cytokines are known to induce transcription factors in intestinal epithelial cells to promote wound healing and to promote barrier function. This has, for instance, been shown for the cytokine interleukin-22 that induces a specific transcription factor denoted STAT3 in intestinal epithelial cells to support barrier function. So overall, we know it's a very complex uh, process where several signaling pathways play an important role in addition several cell types including Paneth cells goblet cells and intestinal epithelial cells are known to be important
0: And what role does epithelial barrier integrity and function have in the pathogenicity of inflammatory bowel disease?
2: nowadays we believe that the intestinal barrier function is in the heart of the disease pathogenesis Uh, We consider inflammatory bowel diseases as uh, being a barrier diseases where alterations of the barrier function during active inflammation lead to translocation of bacterial products and bacteria from the commensal microflora. This in turn leads to an unbalanced activation of the mucosal immune system and this in turn leads to production of pro-inflammatory cytokines such as tumor necrosis factor that then perpetuate uh, the disease.
0: You outline how components of the immune system exert a direct influence on intestinal barrier function. Can you tell us a little bit more about this?
2: We know that several pro-inflammatory cell types such as uh, activated macrophages or T lymphocytes are present in the mucosa in patients with inflammatory bowel diseases. uh, cells can in turn produce pro-inflammatory cytokines such as a tumor necrosis factor or interferon gamma that directly uh, cause alterations of the intestinal barrier function and that uh, markedly affect survival of intestinal epithelial cells. In this way there is a close connection between the intestinal immune system and the barrier function. That is probably very important for mucosal healing in inflammatory bowel diseases.
0: How has this concept of mucosal healing evolved in the clinical arena in terms of clinical assessment of IBD and are there endoscopic scoring systems available to apply in this context?
1: Thank you, Mary. That's uh, my part of ship. Um, And you've heard from Professor Nourath about the definition of mucosal healing being largely endoscopically based, that's certainly the current concept. Whether that stands the test of time, whether that evolves uh, in the future to include histological and endomicroscopic healing uh, is something we might address later. But what we've understood from the clinical point of view is that clinicians can't depend on symptoms alone for evaluating the state of the mucosa and the response of the intestinal mucosa to, to treatment. So... Endoscopic scoring systems do exist. Um, they are generally confusing. In Crohn's disease, there are at least two. If you include the post-operative scoring system, there are three. If you include an endomicroscopic scoring system, there are four. As far as ostive colitis are concerned, there are a dozen. And it becomes even more confusing. Indeed, it's rather surprising that it's more difficult than ostive colitis than Crohn's. But essentially, if we focus on Crohn's for the moment, the uh, aim at, at present, as far as endoscopic mucosal healing is concerned, is to achieve absence of ulceration.
0: In the paper, you comprehensively outline how mucosal healing has been used in trials assessing efficacy of therapy in IBD. First, let's start with Crohn's disease. Can you give us a brief overview of how the commonly used drugs for the treatment of Crohn's disease perform in relation to mucosal healing?
1: Yes, indeed. And I think if we consider the range of drugs available from, uh, for, you, for treating Crohn's disease, from steroids to azathioprine to anti-TNF therapy and other biological agents, I think the uh, consensus is that steroids do not uh, induce mucosal healing. And that became apparent uh, from trials with the early Jette group back uh, almost 25 years ago. In contrast, azathioprine does appear to do so. Indeed, if you look at the early reports on azathioprine and mucosal healing, the rate seems surprisingly high, but I suspect that's because definitions didn't match up to current uh, criteria. Nevertheless, uh, it became apparent when mucosal healing was looked at in anti-TNF therapy that uh, these biological agents clearly promoted mucosal healing uh, against more stringent criteria, such as complete absence of ulceration, Perhaps the most important thing is what this means for outcome, in that achieving mucosal healing in these clinical trials, which have been uh, achieved with infliximab in the early Axon One study, the, uh, with adalimumab in the uh, uh, more recent EXTEND study, and with Certilizumab Begal in the music study, you can see that it influences the risk of hospitalization and surgery, major abdominal surgery, over the course of the year. And that's why it really matters as far as choice of treatment because you need to use a marker, a guide, to what uh, treatment means for the long-term outcome uh, in this chronic disease.
0: This has also been applied to ulcerative colitis. Can you tell us a bit about this now?
1: Yes. um, Of all the dozen endoscopic a uh, um, uh, scoring system for ulcerative colitis. Only one has been properly validated, and I must uh, declare an interest, since uh, an international uh, group, which I, I led with Bill Sanborn has developed the ulcerative colitis endoscopic index of severity. Nevertheless, it's not been tested for long-term outcomes. The, uh, the endoscopic assessment, which has been most commonly used, is the Mayo Clinic endoscopy subscore, and when this was uh, applied to the trials of infliximab and osteocolitis, the ACT 1 and 2 studies, it was shown that achieving uh, a, a subscore of zero, in other words, complete resolution or uh, a score of one where there was um, loss of vascular pattern but uh, minimal or no friability, if that was achieved at eight weeks into, the, into treatment, then it predicted outcomes at one year of treatment. In other words, by achieving that healing at eight weeks, it predicted a lower rate of hospitalization and a lower rate of uh, colectomy and a a higher rate of corticosteroid-free remission at at, at 12 months, and that's interesting because simple assessment of using this familiar score, uh, despite it not being validated, does appear to predict outcome, and that's helpful in clinical practice.
0: Well, moving on to the next question, we've touched on this topic really during the last um, few moments of the discussion, but let's consider what this means for an individual patient with IBD in the longer term. Um, Can mucosal healing predict future outcome, for example, penetrating complications in surgery and Crohn's disease, or risk even of superimposed colorectal cancer in ulcerative colitis.
1: Well I was going to to move on from the discussion about hospitalization and colectomy to focus on two areas uh, of of interest. One is the issue of cancer and the other is the issue about treatment decisions. Let's take the issue of cancer first because if you can achieve mucosal healing and absence of inflammation there is increasing evidence that this will reduce or abolish the the, the risk of malignancy. Indeed, in Matt Rutter's study from St. Mark's um, uh, just over five years ago, it was shown that those patients who had uh, complete healing without post-inflammatory polyps uh, had uh, 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 very little evidence of an increased risk of colorectal cancer, and that intuitively, from a basic science and pathogenic point of view, makes sense. Absence of inflammation, absence of progression to cancer. Uh, We still need more evidence about that, but I think that uh, it will be examined uh, more closely in surveillance schedules for patients with ulcerative uh, uh, colitis in the future, uh, identifying those patients who have a good endoscopic outcome. As far as treatment decision, I draw attention to one study related to mucosal healing, and that's the withdrawal trial of infliximab, the story study that Edouard Louis and colleagues from Jetet led, uh, recently published in, in Gastroenterology. And what that showed, that if you achieve compute mucosal healing with the CDIS score, chronic disease endoscopic index for severity score, of two or less, then that Predicted a good response uh, for, to maintain remission when infliximab was stopped. It was especially valuable when it was combined with other factors, a low CRP, uh, um, uh, normal hemoglobin, and uh, uh, and one or two other agents. That the that the, in predicting uh, maintenance of remission even when infliximab was stopped. So increasingly, the way that uh, mucosal healing is being used in practice with regard to these expensive biological therapies is to check that uh, that it's achieved in the first place, maybe six months after starting, and then before any decision is made about switching treatment or indeed uh, ultimately stopping treatment to confirm that mucosal healing has been achieved at colonoscopy.
0: So the, one of the issues currently is that the assessment of mucosal healing requires invasive investigations, so the patients need a scope. But are there any emerging non-invasive surrogate markers of mucosal healing that can be used?
1: Well, indeed. I mean, this is the hope. Nobody wants to have a shifter scope being uh, used to assess mucosal healing if there's an alternative. And uh, what is clear that C-reactive protein really isn't good enough, although it's been, uh, attempts have been made to correlate it with the Crohn's disease endoscopic index of severity, and people are focusing on fecal calprotectin a neutrophil-derived protein for, for, uh, uh, as a surrogate marker for um, colonic inflammation. It's certainly uh, a major hope, and there's some evidence that it may serve as a marker uh, in that it may have a high negative predictive value. What that means is that if you've got a completely normal fecal calprotectin, shall we say, um, less than 50, then uh, this uh, um, means that colonic ulceration is is unlikely. Uh, The trouble, of course, is that there's so much individual variation in fecal protection levels that uh, uh, that, that high levels are more difficult to interpret. I think we need more data on that. These will come from prospective studies such as the CALM study and other strategy studies which will allow us to put its proper place. And there may be other uh, biomarkers uh, too which have that potential, but anything we can do to reduce the uh, uh, need for endoscopy will be welcomed by our patients.
0: Well, endoscopy focuses on assessing the structural restitution of the mucosa, but what of its function? Um, Because function dictates permeability and consequences of ongoing bacterial translocation across the mucosa that can perpetuate underlying inflammatory activity. Are there any tools either available now or emerging that can be used to assess intestinal barrier function in the context of treatment efficacy in IBD?
2: One emerging technique relates to... um approach called confocal laser endomicroscopy. This is a new approach where blue laser light together with the fluorescent agent permits in vivo histology. We can really describe intestinal epithelial cells, the commensal microflora, as well as mucosal cells using this technique, and this has been shown previously to work for patients with inflammatory bowel diseases in vivo. In addition to descriptive anatomy we can use this technique for functional imaging in fact uh, recently um, this uh, technique has been used to assess barrier functions in patients with inflammatory bowel diseases during ongoing endoscopy and it has been described that several features can be uh, identified that are indicative of altered barrier functions in IBD patients we can identify um, deficient intestinal epithelial cells, lack of barrier function, and translocation of commensal bacteria. Based on various criteria, recently uh, a quantitative score for assessing barrier functions in IBD has been described, the so-called Watson score, and this score was tested in a study on 51 patients in Webo, and this holds promise for uh, the development of a quantitative tool to assess intestinal barrier functions really in the context of treatment efficacy in IBD. However, we will need future validation studies to uh, clarify the impact of this score.
1: And if I can come in there, Marcus, I must say I think it looks uh, really exciting because it comes back to where we started. How do you assess mucosal healing? We look at the surface just with white light endoscopy, the opportunity to look at the ultra structure looking at the uh, in vivo real time histopathology is exciting because it's highly likely that uh, completely quiescent mucosa without any inflammatory cells is going to be associated with a better long-term outcome in patients with ulcerative colitis and we don't use histology at the moment with endoscopy for predicting that simply because putting the two together is difficult in normal circumstances if you can show that using the confocal probe will be associated with a better outcome then I'm sure that we will we'll find uh, 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 that we set ourselves higher treatment goals and can reassure patients who achieve them will have uh, a, a better outcome. And predicting this unpredictable disease is, to my mind, an important uh, uh, goal for the future.
0: So finally, you open your paper with a question, and I'd just like to ask both of you now um, that same question as a close to our discussion. So does mucosal healing matter in inflammatory bowel disease?
1: Marcus, your turn.
2: Well, I think uh, there's overwhelming evidence now from numerous uh, clinical trials that mucosal healing is quite relevant. And mucosal healing on endoscopy has been shown to really uh, have important implications for the clinician and for the patient um, himself. And uh, we know that mucosal healing really relates to reduced uh, hospitalization rates Uh, relates to reduced numbers of surgery, which is an important endpoint in clinical studies. And finally, and and most importantly, it's really associated with an improved quality of life for our patients. So the answer is, I think clearly yes, mucosal healing on endoscopy does matter in IBD.
1: So I would uh, entirely agree with that. Uh, In practice at this moment in time, I don't assess it on every patient but I do assess it on every patient on biological therapy uh, I do assess it in patients after surgery and once I'm confident that it can predict long term outcome in ulcerative colitis I'm prepared to uh, discuss that with patients and use it for um uh, for managing my patients with ulcerative colitis so yes I'm sure that it matters and the depth of mucosal healing may yet matter more. You're going to have to watch this space.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Um, I'd just like to finish by thanking Professor Marcus Neurath and Dr Simon Travis for joining me today. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Mary. Thank you. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.